We are going to preach from the Old Testament. We are looking at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 52. And we're going to not read, but you can look through all of 53. I'm not going to get that far. I'm just going to set the scene. I'm sure I'm not going to get that far. I don't want to be here all day. You don't want to be here all day. But it's okay if the presence of the Lord is here. He'll make all day seem like a few moments. But reading from, reading from, reading from Isaiah chapter 52, we're looking at verse 13, the 15, and I will read down. Isaiah 53 to verse 6. Isaiah, who is prophesizing somewhere between 700 and 750 years before the coming of Christ, and God is allowing him to peer into the future. And it reads as such in our hearing, I'm reading from I'm reading from the American Standard, but I just want to read it from the King James. I just like the flow of the King James when I read this. Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13, and it reads as such in our hearing. Behold, my servant shall deal pudently. He shall be exalted in a tall and be very high. As many were astounded at thee, his vacious, his, his face was myrrh more than any man's and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations and the kings shall shut their mouths at him for that which had not been told them shall they see. That which they have not heard, they shall consider. 53, 1 through 6. Who have believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? But he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form, no comeliness, that when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. We hide as, as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. That's, 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 that's good enough right there. That's good enough. From these verses and all of 53, I like to bring to you the subject matter 
the ugliness of sin intercepted by the love of God. The ugliness of sin intercepted by the love of God. Father, even Father, even now, give increase. Father, even now, give increase that we may see Jesus. Fill us with your presence that we may see him. Lord, even now, have your way. Father, if you will, even now, have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It is hard to really understand Good Friday and the resurrection. We know the events that has happened. We understand the earthly view of it. We, we understand it part way, but to understand actually what is taking place, it is really beyond comprehension. To go into the depths of it, to, to really peer into what was happening and, and, and the technical side of it from a theological standpoint, it will blow our mind. Number one, what I don't understand is how in the world can two opposing things that are going the opposite direction intersect? Let me, let me see if I can explain. How in the world does the love of God and the ugliness of sin come together? I mean, hold on. Sin goes down. Love goes up. They are going in opposite direction. But at the cross... God somehow at the cross allowed his love to intercept and enter in into the ugliness of sin that you and I have been caught up in. And listen, it's not something that just happened 2,000 years ago. Sin been around since Adam and Eve disobeyed. All of us just got messed up in what they did. But guess what? Even though they did it, we willfully do what we do. And God had to make a way out of nowhere. The first thought I get from when I read these passages is that the Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of the praise. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's funny. I, I was kind of watching, and I was kind of watching us as we were singing that last song, and I saw a whole lot of different attitudes. I, got, I saw a whole lot of different rea reactions. I saw some people getting happy and shocked. I got some people smiling. I saw some people sitting there like they didn't know what was going on. You know, at the same song, different reactions. You know, it's funny, we can view the same picture and have a different interpretation. According to your experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can hear the same song that somebody's crying, and you sitting there saying, I don't know what they're crying about. 
And when we are in a context like this, when we are in an environment like this, there are people that have different degrees of experience and depending on your experience with the Lord Jesus Christ will determine how you're going to be moved by what is being said. And if you haven't been walking with him for very long, if you're not, if you really don't know him, the, the cross doesn't mean anything. It's a shiny thing you wear around your neck. But the cross is an instrument that was devised by a group of people that the Romans had conquered. And even today, experts says that it is the worst torture that had ever been devised in the, in the mind of man. You know, when we hear that God loves us, it really doesn't register to the depth of what that means. Because in the Western hemisphere, our concept is love is that you make me feel funny in my stomach. You make me weak in the knees. When, when, when I see you, I get butterflies flying around my head. When I see you, I want to drop it like it's hot. You know, in, in our concept, in our concept, it has everything to do with feeling. But from the Greek, from the Hebrew standpoint of love, what happens is love is a demonstration. It requires that you do something. It requires that you see a need in somebody. And because you love them, regardless of the cost that it costs you, you, you do something. Perhaps Janice Jackson got it right. What have you done for me lately? Because in love, it is a doing, it is an action word. God so loved the world that he gave. Listen, 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 listen. It would have been enough that he was worthy of all the praise because he set the sun in the sky. He set it the earth on its orbit. He put the moon where it's supposed to be. He gave oxygen in the atmosphere. He made the bird go tweety, tweet, tweet. He made the lion go rawr. He gave you a mind and bodies and a voice to give him prayer. If God just would have made creation just because he got all by himself. He created the earth and made it an atmosphere that you and I can live. He put all the raw material in the earth that we can eat, we can build, we can sleep, we can do a whole lot of because God put, that's worthy enough of the prayer. But then God goes and gives his only begotten son and his son gave himself for you and I. He is worthy of the praise. I don't understand folks who call themselves Christians and too cute to give God the praise. There's not that much cuteness in the world. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get Jody shot for church. But I'm saying when you come out of church, you shouldn't be that cute. <laughs> Hair messed up, mascara running, shirt hanging out. They look at you saying, what's wrong with you? I had a good time at church today.
Philippians helps us to capture what is happening. It says in chapter 2, says, 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 though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal to God. That's King James. American Standard said that he, 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 he emptied himself. King James said that he did not grab onto, he did not hold. American Standard said he emptied himself. That though he was God sitting on the throne, he was, he was, he was, he was God. The angels worshiped him. He saw what you and I needed and he took on human flesh. God took on, wrapped himself up in humanity. Just the fact that he did that, we ought to give him the praise. There are stages of his descension. There are stages of his descension, and each stage requires a sacrifice. Let me start right there. Some of us is in between a decision because we think that what God is asking of us requires too much. I'll let you think about that. Some of us, it's not that we don't believe, we just don't want to commit. We think we're having too much fun out there to get really involved in here. So instead of coming to church and really getting involved in what God wants us to do, we're out there doing whatever we want to do, and we think we got time before God calls us home to get it together. But who told you you have tomorrow? My brother and sister, you got to understand that because he loved us, his act of love cost him something. It cost him something when he wrapped divinity up in human flesh. It cost him something to be born in Bethlehem in swaddling clothes. It cost him something to submit to a mother and dad that he created. It cost him something to walk this earth and get hungry, get thirsty, get tired. It cost him something to limit himself in a human flesh. It cost him something. I haven't even got to the cross yet, and it cost him something. Based on that, just based on, I, I don't even have to go no far. Based on that, somebody ought to say hallelujah. Based on that, Somebody else said he's worthy. Based on that, hold on, hold on. He just didn't even stop there. Those who he created rejected him. And though he created them, he allowed them to get away with beating him. Then after they beat him, they put him on the cross. Hold on, he allowed them because he could have came down anytime he wanted to. And then he even humbled himself to death. Based on that, somebody said, he's worthy. Let me go to my next point. The cross is a depiction. The cross is a picture of the ugliness of man's sin. 
in the beauty of God's love. In the same picture. Within that same scene, on Calvary, Golgotha, while he's hanging there on the cross, you see two things literally taking place. You see a mob caught up. Listen to the scriptures. His face was more marred than any man's, and his body more than a son. What is he saying? When you look into the text, when you look into the original Hebrew and all that, what it literally is saying is, he was so messed up, he didn't even look human. Did anybody see The Passion of the Christ? The movie The Passion of the Christ? It was funny because after The Passion of the Christ, you had these theologians come on, and someone said, no, it didn't happen like that. No, that was exaggerated. Let me say this. It didn't go far enough. Let me see if I can explain. Let me do this quickly because I got some other areas I'm going to go. There is a thing that is called, I really don't know the, 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 the scientific, the psychological uh, name of it, but I understand the process of it. When, a, when you are caught up in beating somebody, and it's more than one, you lose all sense of reality. Rodney King. You know what happened? The adrenaline was flowing, and they were so high that there is something. There is something that moves you into a realm where you enter into, you are moving off of emotions. And you go farther than what you ever meant to go. I'll let y'all think about that. You can go. Caught up with a young man, seeing him. He's, he's in jail for murder. Talking to him. He was careful. I was saying, and this is what he said. He said, when I went there, I didn't go to kill. He said, but once I got Things start moving so fast that before I knew it, I had my gun, they had their gun, and we were shooting. I never meant for it to go that. If that is true from a natural standpoint, can you imagine that the devil and all his imps and demons being there while they're beating Jesus. And Jesus, because he is without sin, is able to, to humanly stand more than any man can stand. And don't you know that he gets in it, and what is happening is they are pushed to a level of evilness that they never thought that they would. Let me bring this out, because some of y'all not catching this. When you enter in the evil, don't think you can control it. It would take you farther than you want to go. It would keep you longer than you want to stay. It would cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. <laughs> and what happened in this is that you see Satan think he has an opportunity. So 
they went farther than they went with anybody else. Listen, he did it for us. He did it for me. At any time, he could have stopped them, but he, God allowed the ugliness of sin to be on display so that when we look at the cross, we will understand that sin and evilness isn't nothing to play with. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the midst of that, you see God himself who has taken on humanity, and in his humanity, he allowed men to do his worst. And in the midst of it all, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wait a minute, if, 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 if I don't know what love is, that is love. That is love. That is love. Third point. The glory of God was wrapped up in humanity. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says that he grew up before me as a tender plant. He grew up in dry. And what he's saying is, he said, he has my full favor because he did everything with excellence. He has, he, there's no sin in him. There's no wrong in him. There was excellent because Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law to make up for what we couldn't do. So when the righteousness of God looks at you in Christ Jesus, he sees you as though you never sinned. Somebody said, how can I be? Because what he does, he takes what is of Jesus Put it on you, put what is yours, put it on Jesus, and dealt with it at the cross. You know, I, I used to wonder this. I, used to, I got the answer now. I used to wonder that if I was back then, would I see Jesus in his human form and would I know that he was God? But here in Isaiah 53, it talks about it in two ways. He said, in him was no comeliness that they were attracted to him. He looked like anybody else. Why? God did not want you to be attracted by what you saw. He wants you to be attracted by what you know. See, too many of us is attracted by what we see. We live our life by what we see. But you got to come to the place that you walk this by faith. It's not what you see, it's what you know. See, some of us done got in trouble because we went by what we saw. You thought he was all that and you thought that she had a good And it wasn't until you was too deep to get out. Some of y'all now wish you would have never bit, but since you bit, you wish you could eat up the whole thing till it's all gone. Why? You was fooled by what you saw. Just because they carry a Bible don't mean they know the Bible. 
Just because they go to church don't mean they're a Christian. There's some devils up in churches pretending to be like. Isn't it so funny how many times I hear they used to go to church every Sunday. But when I said I do, they quit. You better have a better resume than going to church the last couple of months when we start counseling. Anybody can go for a few months. But is this thing real? God, 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 God don't want you to be fooled by what you see. So therefore, it wasn't the outward appearance that attracted folks. It's that when you saw him walk, when you saw him talk the way he lived, you said, this man must be something else. Even the Roman soldier who's at the base of the cross, when he saw how he died, he said, this is more than a man. This must be. This got to be. This has to be. I know that this is the Son of God because nobody can act like that while they're being crucified. At the Mount of Transfiguring in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, that's when you really see who he is. That's when his clothes is altered and changed, and they become dazzling and white. That's when his cottons begin to shine like the sun to the place. You can't look directly out of him. The miracle isn't the transformation. The miracle is that he hid that all of this time. You know what? God is hiding himself from some of us until we have a desire to get closer. He don't show himself to just anybody. But this thing is from glory to glory. And you would get enough of the glory that you want to see. But when you are... How bad do you want to see him? The woman who has a daughter who, who's demon-possessed comes and, and, and she says, Master, I got a daughter. I, I need you to heal her. She got a demon. And Jesus says, no, it's for the children of Israel. I came for them. For we know what Jesus was doing. He was testing her. He really wanted to say, how bad do you want it? See, we talk about folks offending us, but sometimes you've got to work yourself through the offense. You want to talk about, because women, remember, Christ folks mess up. But you got to work yourself through the folks and see the Christ. And when you see the Christ, it doesn't matter who liked you, don't like you, who talked about you, didn't talk about you, where they sit by you, don't sit about you. I'm not here for you anyway. I know why I'm here. I know him for myself. I mean, you hear first that there's a click over here. Uh, guess what? There's a click on your job. There's a click on your street. There's a click in your neighborhood. You ain't going to move out your street because there's a click. You're not going to quit your job because there's a click. So why are you going to quit the church? Because some folks got a click. Well, guess what? Start your own click. Find those who love Jesus the way you love Jesus.
Start treating folks right, start acting right, start praising right. Sure, you'll find some folks that say, I like the way you praise God. Make yourself a hallelujah corner. Where only folks who for real can come join your hallelujah stuff. I mean, not that you kick them out, but you act so crazy over Jesus that unless they got the real stuff, they're not going to stay anyway. You know what? You can have a party of one and have a good time. Oh, yes, you can. Hold on. You can have a party where nobody else is enjoying Jesus. You can enjoy Jesus all by yourself. He is, he is, he is revealing himself to us to the degree that we want to see him. To the degree that we're chasing him. Don't get jealous of somebody got more favor than you. Start doing what they do. Watch her. Her one lady said, she was trying to get her love, her husband love. They had fell out of love and God was convicting her, saying, uh, I haven't released you. You need to stay in this relationship. As he said, my daughter had his heart. Daughter was like five or six. As he said, she, she could get anything from my husband that she wanted to get. She said, I got jealous. He didn't give me anything, giving her the world. She said, but I started watching what she was doing. She was sit by the car while he was fixing the car. Daddy, what you doing? Can I hand you the tea? She said, she beat him out to the car. She said, what you doing? She said, his daughter would bring lemonade and water out to him when he cut the grass. She said, she, 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 she put water out and walked with him as he cut the grass. She said, after a while, if somebody is highly favored, when they say hallelujah, you ought to say hallelujah. They know something you don't know. But am I saying be a fake? I know. I said, move up your element of praise. Move from where you're at, see where you want to go, and make plans to get there. If you pray more, if you praise more, if you read more, more favor. If you worship more, if you serve more, more favor. Let's go on. Jesus is not only the lamb, he's the priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest would go in and he would be sprinkled with blood. And as we go back to 52, say he's sprinkled. That is a reference to the Old Testament when he goes into the holies of holies, which is the presence of God. And he goes in there with blood on his right ear, blood on his right thumb, blood on his big toe. And he goes there with blood and he sprinkles everything. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And the cost and life is in the blood. So that when there's blood, that means that there's been death. Every testament, every covenant got blood in it. So, any, so in order for the whole the priest to come in, he had to be covered in blood. That was a symbol of what was going to happen, though it hasn't happened yet. It, I mean, let me go. I'll get to that in a minute. 
That means that, that Jesus had to be a blood offering so that he could cover you in blood, signifying that there had been a death that accounted for your sins. Let me see if I can explain that, because some of y'all didn't catch that. That means then that there had to be a death in order for us to receive the grace of God. Hold on. And the death had to be able to be more costly than your sins. That means that the weight of Jesus' glory is heavier than all the sins in the world. Let me explain. That means that beyond all the evilness in the world, the blood and the love of Jesus weighs more. Let me see if I can explain this. The cross is the divine equalizer. Listen to me. There's some horrible things that has happened to some people in this life. That's because not only is sin what we do, but sin is what other people have done to us. You can be, you can be innocent because somebody else had a sin problem. They hurt somebody else. Some of us are walking, some of our walking wounds because of what happened to us in our lives. If you knew the people's story in this room, you would no longer think that people got their nose up in the air because all of us got a story. Matter of fact, it would make you quit feeling sorry for yourself if you knew some stories in this room. Because there's some stories in this room that will make you cry and tell them, stop telling your story because I can't take it. But I tell you what, no matter what has happened to us, you can't allow anger to supplant the love of God. Because when I look at the cross, no matter what we've been through, Jesus been through more. I don't think y'all heard me. No matter what pain you've been through, Jesus been through more. How can you say that? Because he took your pain. He took my pain. He took our pain. He took the pain of the world and said, lay it on me so that I can come up out of this. So when I come up, they can come up. Did you know that your healing is in Jesus? Let me move on. The cross, and this is what I'm talking about. This is the point. The cross transcends all pain, all hurt. Not only did he deal with the penalty of sins, he dealt with the consequences of sins. Let me explain. Sin, your hurt, don't have to hold you bondage. Talking to somebody and we was talking about folks that said, I was born this way. I said, I don't have a problem with that. No, I don't have a problem with that. We all was born sinners. Born in iniquity. My mama and daddy was a sinner. They passed it down to me. I passed it down to my son. Matter of fact, it started with Adam and Eve. They wasn't born that way but they became that way when they disobeyed. And ever since then, every human being got a born condition. 
you was born a sinner. Now, it doesn't really matter what sin you was born with. You were just born with a sin. So what that means, that God had to come up with an answer to deal with the sin you was born with. Guess what? He came up with an answer. They call it born again. Have you been born again? Have you shown up been born again? Because if you've been born again, that means that what used to hold you don't have to hold you no more. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go a little bit a step deeper. That means that no matter what happened to you, the consequences of that happening don't have to hold you either. Listen to him as he says, he says, he says, he says, I come to heal the brokenhearted. I came to set the captives free. I came to set out liberty, those that's been bruised. He said, I came to give comfort for those that are mourning. I came to turn your ashes into beauty. I came to those that mourn to give them the garment of praise. You can't tell me that God can't give you joy in the morning. You can't tell me that God can't take the hurt away. You can't. I seen him do it. I know what my God can do. And if we go to him, he will do exactly because what he with what he did on the cross transcends. It breaks the bondage of sin. The devil can't hold you. If you know how to walk in what God gave you, stuff will start falling off. Stuff will start, oh, so you wake up in the morning with a with stuff a frown. You gotta, you gotta smile. Joy will come, peace will come. After a while, you start loving yourself. It may not happen overnight, but keep walking with it. Matter of fact, there's some folks in here that will cut you from the top of your head to your bottom of your toe. But now they don't even carry a knife anymore. Hold on. I got to go here. Then we got some folks who still carrying the knife. And they need to be delivered from being a knife carrier, a 357 toting, a lit cussing. There's still deliverance for that, too. Okay, let's go on. I want to get through with this. I got a couple more moves, and then, we, then we're out of here. He is the fulfillment. That's why Scripture can say that, that he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And what it's saying is, you're healing. You're healing. Is it him? But wait a minute, I got some folks that's getting technical on me. They say, how do I know that he's the Messiah? How do I know that he's the one? Isaiah is writing this 750 years before the coming of Christ. He didn't even know what he was writing. He's just writing it. Somebody would say, well, how do I know that folks didn't change? Wait a minute, the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the books that was found complete, was Isaiah. And the Dead Sea Scroll is older. The oldest manuscript that has ever been found. And one of the books that was found in its entirety is Isaiah. The Jewish people was, they was, they was careful about when they copied something. And when they was being attacked, they put these scrolls in clay dishes and put them in a cave. A young boy was throwing rocks in the hole and he heard something click. 
he went and got his father, and they climbed up in it, and they found all these clay jars, and they began to unravel them, and they realized that they were scrolls that was written by Jewish folks of the Old Testament. And they were the oldest manuscripts that had ever been found. And when they looked at it letter by letter, Isaiah was perfect. I'll tell you what God has done. He has done it to a place where folks who want to be technical about it, he shuts their mouth. He does prophecies that can't be fulfilled no other way except from he set it up perfectly. You see, we either have to come to the conclusion, we either believe because it's true and God has given enough evidence for us to trust, or we don't believe because we just don't want to do what he wants us to do. When you do the studying on it, when you do the study, I mean, I mean, not how, when you do the study on it, you got to come to the conclusion that the word we got is the word of God because it stands outside, it stands above every, every book of antiquity. That means all books of all, that by itself, that it is true. And then you either going to believe what it says or you're not going to believe it at all. But Jesus is pointed to in the Old Testament so that when he came, there will be no doubt whether he is the Messiah or not that been told that was going to come because only he could do what the promises said he was going to do. So we have a fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus that only he could fulfill the way the scripture said it had to be fulfilled. And the cross was fulfilled before it was prophesied, before it ever came to pass. And when it came to pass, you could go back to the Old Testament and say, that's it. My God, this is not a fairy tale. This is real. See, I don't have to say that to those that have experienced God because you know for yourself, but you got to enter in by faith. You got to come say, I believe. Don't know what? God doesn't have to do nothing else. He has already done enough. He has enough proof that if you don't believe, when you see him and you see the scars in his hands, you see the hole in his side, and he said, why haven't you accepted me? There's nothing nobody will ever be able to say. I mean, God has dotted every I, crossed every T. We're almost out of here. Last move, last point. God's holiness was fulfilled. God's very, very difficult. But let me see if I can explain it. God is not just love, God is holy. God is not just love, he is righteous. The spiritual law says that the penalty of sin is death. The penalty of sin, not just physical death, but spiritual death. Well, what spiritual death, Red? You know, we hear about fire and all that. The worst thing about hell is that God is going to withdraw his mercy. 
And let me, let me see. If you have any joy, any peace, any laughter, any, anything that's good, that's mercy. Let me see if I can explain. Mercy even covers you before you saved. Mercy kept us while we was out there acting a fool. Well, let me talk about me. While I was out there doing what I thought was big and bad enough to do, it wasn't grace because I wasn't in grace yet. But it was mercy that kept. <laughs> Listen, God's mercy is he holds back what you deserve. Hold on. He don't eradicate it. He don't erase it. He just holds it back. Let me, let me explain. Some of us think that we're a child of God because of his mercy. Mercy don't make you his child. Grace makes you his child. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me sit back and explain. Walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. God says this in Isaiah 53. He said, I saw the travail of his soul, not his body, but of his soul. The difference between your soul and your body, your body is the shell you live in, but your soul, which is connected to your spirit, is your mind and your emotions. It's the inward you. It's the core of you. And God says, I not just saw the travail of his body, I saw the travail of his... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, let me touch on this. The cross by itself made his body travail. But something else had to be happening to make his soul travail. 1%. It didn't start at the cross, it started in the garden. Good. Thank you for that. Thank you for my reminder. In the garden, you see him under such internal stress that he begins, his blood begins to come out of his sweat. And that is only when you are under internal stress at such a level that blood begins to get mingled in your sweat. And you see him say, Lord, let this cup pass me. Because it's not the cross I'm fearing. It's the separation. That's why at 12 noon, it is totally dark. You know, some said that God turns his back. Wait a minute. God is omnipresent. David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. It's not his presence he withdrew. It was his mercy. It was his mercy. That's why Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, it wasn't the forsaken of his presence, but it was the forsaken of his mercy. Hell is. How can I say this? God's holiness, in spite of God's love, had to be satisfied. 
God, holiness demands that righteous acts be done. And when it wasn't done, the price had to be paid. God so loved us that instead of it happening to us, Jesus says in Hebrew chapter 10, he said, Father, make me a body. Make me a body so I can go down because the sacrifices of blood and goats don't satisfy you. So make me a body that I may come through the volume of the books that was written about me, that I may become an offering for your people. And as such, I will make them clean. My brother and sister, unless you're covered by the blood, you're not covered. Unless you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're not covered. Let me see if I can. We're, we're about ready to go home. We're about ready to go home. Well, let me just make sure you got this mercy and grace. Mercy is keeping you if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But just because you're kept by mercy doesn't mean you're saved. That means that God is holding back because he loves you so much, he wants you to come know his grace. Mercy kept you from dying last night if you're not saved. You know what? Those of us that know Jesus, we got grace. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Grace is, even if I did die last night, I know where I was going. It's okay. I can say that now that I am in grace, because now God has forgiven me of all my sins because I am in Jesus and he who knew no sin became sin for all of us. But you got to accept the gift. Wait a minute. If I give you a gift and you don't open it, it's not my fault you didn't open it. If you are on a job and you have a benefit package and you don't sign the papers, and you don't take advantage of what comes with the job, it's nobody's fault but yours. If you don't look into what is yours, it was given to you, it was offered, but if you don't take it, you can't blame God. The blood of Jesus took on all of our sins, not just some of our sins, he took on all of our sins. Listen how good God is. I want you to know how good God, I want you to see how God, how good God is. That before you accepted him, mercy walked you to grace. Now, he didn't have to be merciful to you because you was only his creation. You wasn't his child. But God loved you so much that he allowed mercy in front of you. Mercy all around you. That when you was in trouble, it should be sleeping in your grave. Mercy stepped in when that person was going to shoot you, but they changed their mind and you got away. Mercy should have been in a car accident, but something happened and it didn't happen to you. Mercy was sick, could have died, but you got raised up. Mercy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just because I have experienced God's mercy, don't mean I have experienced his grace. There's some folks walking around here thinking they say, you don't got grace, you have mercy. But mercy ought to bring you to your knees. When you look at the mercy of God, I mean, he does what he don't have to do. He shows up in the nick of time. 
should have been dead sleeping in my grave. Mercy. Somebody need to say thank God for his mercy. Matter of fact, all of us need to say thank God for his mercy. But if you think mercy is good, you ought to taste. You ought to taste. You ought to taste his grace. Wait a minute. Mercy is for everybody. As long as you're on this earth, you're going to have mercy. Now, when you go to hell, well, you don't have to go no mercy. But as long as you're on this earth, God's going to give mercy. But God's trying to give you mercy so that you can cross over to grace. See, grace is when you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and God washes your sins away. Wait a minute. He not only washed away what you have done, he washed away what you are doing and washed away what you're going to do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's get a deep understanding of this. See, because if you are really saved, I mean, sure enough saved. I mean, sure, sure enough saved. Matter of fact, we don't have to say this if you say. Something inside of you changes that you don't want to do what you used to do. Matter of fact, it grieves you if you go back and your conscience is pure because now you got a holiness of God on the inside. And though he don't sin, you may choose to sin, but the Holy Ghost on the inside will let you know you just sin. You can go where you used to go and don't feel comfortable anymore. Do I got a witness in the house? Wait a minute. I think I remember seeing some of y'all at the Spectrum. I think I remember seeing some of y'all at Mr. Kelly's. I think I remember some of y'all over, over, over the Kentucky at the caboose picking up your liquor for the night you... Matter of fact, I think some of y'all went to the drug house. I went to to buy what you was going to buy. Uh-huh, I see some of y'all. But thanks be to God, there's been a change on the inside. I don't need the spectrum. Don't need Mr. Kelly. Don't need the kombucha. I got a natural high by the Holy Ghost. Don't feel this good. Cocaine don't feel this good. 151 don't feel this good. Hash don't feel this good. Downers don't feel this good. Well, how good do you feel? I feel good enough to shout. Hallelujah! 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 He's just that good. Wait a minute. Since he went down, he had to come up. Since he laid it down, he had to pick it back up. Since he was buried in the grave of a rich man, since he died with two thieves on each side, since he allowed them to beat him, to put thorns on his head since he allowed them to take a spear and pierce him 
in the side. Since he went through hours of the mercy of God being withdrawn, God said, I gave him a name like no other name. A name that is above every name. Every name in heaven, every name in heaven. There's no other name by which you must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Well, somebody said, what about Buddha? How about Confucius? How about Gandhi? How about all these other folks? How about all the other folks who claim to be something special? Well, let me tell you about them. They died and they stayed dead. They died and they stayed dead. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, he said, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll get back up. Jonah was in the, in the, in the belly of a well of a fish for three days and the fish got sick and spitted him out. But Jesus, the Bible says, on the third day, stuff started rocking, the earth started shaking. Jesus got up with all power in his hands. Wait, wait, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. If there are stages of the dissension, there has to be stages of the ascension. He got up. But that's not the end of the story. Not only did he get up and show himself to over 500 disciples to prove to them that what he said was true. And many of the disciples died because, see, if this was a fake, they wouldn't have died. If they sold the body, they wouldn't have died. So no con artist believed in his con that much. You know, when his life is on the line, he said, I tell, I tell you everybody, I tell you everything. Just don't send me, just don't kill me. But they believe because they saw it with their own eyes that he who went down got up. But wait a minute, he just didn't get up. But my Bible tells me that he ascended on high. That right now he's sitting on his throne. Not only is he on the right hand, he is the right hand of God, the Father. He's the power of God. He's the strength of God. He's the salvation of God. He's the redeemer of God. He's making intercessions for you and I. That means that when you can't pray for yourself, Jesus, your savior. Jesus, your redeemer. Jesus, your big brother. Jesus, your atonement is praying for you. Wait a minute. We're about ready to go home. We're about ready to go home. Thank God for his mercy. But I thank God for his grace. If it wasn't for the grace of God, undeserved mercy, undeserved gift. He didn't have to do it, but he did. Guess what? Since he gave it, we ought to act like it. Since he gave it, you ought to tell somebody. Since you have it, you ought to walk like it. Since you have it, you ought to tell somebody. He's good. He's good. He's good. Right now, right. Listen, that's it. That's it. Since Jesus got up, we ought to get up.
since Jesus rose, we ought to rise. Since Jesus have already defeated the devil, the devil is defeated. So what if he's messing with your stuff? Tell the devil, I'm a child of the king. You don't know who you're messing with. Victory, victory is mine. Somebody said, stuff is bothering me right now. But wait a minute. The devil don't know who he's messing with. He don't know who I know. Yes, he may have got me in trouble. Yes, he's putting manure on me. But I'm coming up. I'm coming up. I'm coming out. As Jesus came out, I'm coming out. You just don't see it yet. Is there anybody in the house? You're going through spiritual battle. Quit crying. Quit weeping. Clear up your eyes. Start telling yourself, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Victory is mine. I'm a child of the king. And if Jesus rose, I will rise. I believe that the church goes through spiritual battle. But the devil is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Don't wait till the battle's over to shout. You need to shout. You need to shout. You need to shout. You need to shout in the midst of, in the middle of. You ought to stand on your feet and say, glory, hallelujah. He lives, he lives inside of me. Because he lives, you can have life more abundantly. Because he lives, victory is yours. Because he lives, though things get hard. Hold on. Hold on. It's not over yet. Till God says it's over. It's not over yet. The devil thought he had him at the cross. The devil thought he won. But did you know that the Greek word for it's finished means I have completed this task? There's a note of victory. And if you are in Jesus, it's not over. And victory is yours. But wait a minute. You better be in Jesus. I'm not talking about church stuff. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about where you have given your life to him. Don't confuse mercy with grace. Because when you got grace, you know him. When you got grace and they start talking about how good he is, something on the inside of you start getting excited. Something should have happened when she was singing that song on the inside because you got a connection to him. You know that he's real. Like Jeremiah, he said, it's, it's like fire shut up in my bone. I said I wouldn't say anything, but I can't help my, I can't help, I, I can't help. Excuse me while I take a praise break. Today, I got preachers that will pray with you.